There are so many things that we can do as educators to inspire the future leaders of our world, and we shouldn't let our diabetes get in the way of that. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Type podcast, aimed to uplift and empower everyone in the diabetic community, from supporters to professionals, and of course, those living with it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Your Type podcast. I hope everyone had some wonderful holiday celebrations with loved ones and ultimately are ready for 2023. If you haven't listened to my recap episode on 2022 and the goals that I have set for this year, I'd highly recommend you check that out so we can hold each other accountable for our goals and our resolutions. One of my goals that I talked about was consistency, so I'm extremely excited to kick off this year with the first episode of 2023. I have so many incredible things planned, I have a schedule, I have all of these ideas, and I just can't wait to get them out for you. Whether you are a parent, a student, or a teacher, many of us have gone back to school from winter break or, for the college students out there, are gearing up to go back from winter break. As a first-year teacher, I've recently gone back from break to finish up the first semester with my middle schoolers, and through a lot of reflection, I've realized just how much growth and learning I've had alongside my students. Now, it's no secret that teaching is a very difficult occupation, especially in today's landscape, but I've heard many a time that the first three years, and specifically that first year that I'm in right now, is the hardest. And oh boy, can I vouch for that. While there's such a demanding workload in education, dealing with diabetes on top of that just adds yet another stressor. So how can you manage diabetes in teaching? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into it. According to a study conducted in the 1980s and 1990s, teachers roughly make 1,500 decisions per day, which is roughly three per minute in an eight-hour workday. I don't know about you, but that sounds so crazy and at the same time so realistic in my experience. Between planning the content, making backup plans for if that content and instruction doesn't work, prepping the classroom materials, and making so many on-the-spot decisions make it extremely challenging Now, all of this leads to a phenomenon called decision fatigue, which basically means the more and more decisions you make in a day, the more difficult it starts to become. And that's part of the reason that educators feel so exhausted and end up with teacher burnout. Attrition rates for teachers or teacher turnover has always been around 16%, according to some research. But after the pandemic, we're seeing that skyrocket. And according to Forbes, There's an estimated spike of roughly 25 to 50% of teachers that are considering leaving the profession nationwide. The past year and a half, we've already known that education has been a front line where teachers are struggling to make ends meet, they're struggling to meet the needs of students, and the pandemic saw so many struggles already with education, and we're seeing even more come out of it that we really couldn't have assessed or predicted. Now, adding on an additional 180 extra decisions in a day that a type 1 diabetic will make just makes it even harder. 
Even outside of teaching, many diabetics are driven to diabetes distress, and more specifically, 40% of type 1 diabetics are dealing with that. Diabetes distress is when a person feels frustrated, defeated, or overwhelmed by their diabetes, and it can come and go, but if it persists, it can lead to depression, anxiety, and other mental illnesses that also in turn affect your diabetes. Diabetes distress can look like someone not taking care of their diabetes for a short or extended period of time, which can ultimately lead to health issues because they're not taking care of their diabetes. Managing an illness that could be fatal takes a lot of brain power, but so does teaching. And that means putting them together can cause serious issues and a serious headache. Trust me, I've been there. Now, because of the nature of the job, stress usually accompanies it. Managing stress is obviously a different process for everyone, and it's about finding healthy ways to cope with it. But for a diabetic, we really need to look at how our bodies are reacting to stress as it usually directly impacts our diabetes. And again, that looks different in everyone. When stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released, it actually makes it harder for one's body to let insulin work properly, which leads to insulin resistance. If not treated, insulin resistance can lead to consistent hyperglycemia, which means high blood sugars, that can lead to serious complications like organ failure over an extended period of time, like diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA, which leads to hospitalization and could be fatal. Now, I'll admit that none of that sounds inviting by any means. However, something I've realized this year is it is absolutely doable. Every school and every teaching position is going to look different. And with the right support from your staff and administration, you should feel empowered to manage your diabetes on the job rather than stressed out every single day. In my position, I make sure to have my phone on me so I can check my CGM between every class period and break time. And of course, if I feel like I'm starting to go low, I check it. Now, my students know this routine and totally understand what I'm doing because I made sure to tell them on the very first day of school and throughout the first week what I would have to do and what my process is for taking care of my diabetes and also just how important it is that I take care of myself in that way. Something else I've noticed is that once the day really picks up after a few classes of teaching, my blood sugar starts to drop from the constant movement of jumping from one thing to the next and managing my classroom. So I always keep low snacks with me at my desk just in case. I actually have just been interrupted by a low blood sugar while recording this, so pretty topical there. Now, with the lunches in my district or in my school specifically, we only get 30 minutes, but we also get a prep time, so it's kind of your choice on when you will eat. And for me, 30 minutes is not that bad because I've always been a quick eater, so it hasn't been much of a problem for me, but as a diabetic, we do need to bolus our insulin before we eat, and usually about 10 to 15 minutes before. So I will take my insulin right at the start of my lunch break, and then we'll carry on any work that I was doing in my planning period since mine are connected, which is a blessing. And then after about 10 to 15 minutes, I'll have my lunch. Again, I'm a quick eater, so I don't need that long of a time. And I usually just use the rest of that lunch as a time to decompress and de-stress. 
But if eating quick is not for you, definitely talk to your administration about what you can do to accommodate because ultimately you should have the time you need to eat and make sure your blood sugars are fine because otherwise that can throw off your teaching and ultimately throw off your students just as much as it would throw off you. Now, if I'm noticing my blood sugar is trending low most of the morning, I usually take a unit less than normal to ensure it doesn't drop more throughout the afternoon, and most often, that keeps my numbers pretty normal. However, that is what works for me through trial and error, such as the life of a diabetic. It's all about finding what works for you. It definitely takes some time some self-discovery, and some experimentation to really figure that out and narrow down what plan, what course of action will help you in the long run, especially with teaching. Although it takes a lot of time on your own to figure out what works, it's always helpful to have that support system. So here are just a few general tips that can really create an inclusive and inviting culture at the building you work at for diabetics, whether they're the teachers and other staff members or students. Tip number one, tell your students about diabetes. You don't need to go into immense detail, especially if you're in an elementary setting because they probably won't understand all the biological functions of diabetes. But letting them know why you might need a snack, what the alert sound of your CGM or pump is, and the general elements of the disease that you have to go through every day not only builds connections with them, but lets them know in case of emergencies. Every time my students see me holding my phone up to my arm when I'm checking my CGM, they ask if I'm okay. If they see me eating something, of course they'll ask and see if they can get away with eating something too as a snack, but when I tell them it's because my blood sugar is low, they immediately understand and go back to their seat. I also have students who are type 1 diabetic, and that has been such a full circle moment for me since I was diagnosed when I was in middle school. And getting to show them that I can overcome my diabetes to live out what I studied and what I was dreaming of doing for so long is really impactful. And getting to show that to students who maybe don't understand diabetes but are friends with those who have it is just so rewarding. Number two, make sure you also tell other people in your school, specifically your school nurse and your administration. For all the same reasons as telling your students, it's important to let them know in case of emergencies and to just get a general background on what you'll have to do on top of the job, but also letting them know so they can help with any accommodations you may need. So that could include lunchtime, it could include a snack throughout the morning or the afternoon. Something where they can help you out best is really important. And the last tip I have as a way of making an inclusive and inviting space for diabetics in your building is by setting up events to benefit diabetes. Something I did this year for World Diabetes Day was a blue out. I told all of my staff members and my classes about World Diabetes Day and what day that would be. And I encourage other staff members to let their students know as well so that when World Diabetes Day happened on November 14th, students came to school wearing blue, staff members rocked their blue as well, and I distributed blue ribbons to as many staff members as I could to wear on their lanyards and on their clothes to show their support for diabetes. And it was really special to see who took part and what students were really engaged in it. But also, my principal still wears his ribbon, and that's just something that really means a lot to me. So I was really thankful for them for getting on board, and it's definitely something you can do 
later this year when World Diabetes Day rolls around, whether you're in a school or any other workplace that you're in. Something that the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation also does is school walks where you can have your own one walk at your school or have your school sign up as a team for the annual one walk to fundraise and show support as an entire building. So definitely reach out to your local chapter to see if they can host a school team for you at their one walk or host a one walk at your school to fundraise as a building and have that solidarity all together. The last thing I would recommend is talking with your health and science team at your school to see how diabetes is talked about in the health curriculum. When I was in school, we had maybe one page about it in a textbook that was in a class that was extracurricular in my honors anatomy and physiology class. And I took that class to learn more about the endocrine system and diabetes specifically, and then we barely even touched on it. So making sure it's talked about in your curriculum, especially for our secondary, middle, and high schoolers, so that it's not overlooked and that it's accurately represented. I felt like there were still so many myths I had to debunk on my own as my own advocate, and a lot of that could have been done away with if it was accurately talked about and represented in the curriculum. There are so many things that we can do as educators to inspire the future leaders of our world, and we shouldn't let our diabetes get in the way of that. No matter what job you have, you'll have to work around your diabetes and really find what works for you and find your groove. So if you're a future or current educator or you're going into the workforce as a diabetic, it's okay to be nervous. But know that with time, it'll all fall into place. I hope this short episode helped, and if you need any more tips, please feel free to contact me through my social media that is in the show notes. I'm so excited to see what else 2023 has to bring in my teaching, in my career, and of course, with this podcast. There's so much more to look forward to, y'all. So until next time.